Hey, it's Michael, and this is the Kintsugi Podcast. I'll be back in a minute with this week's conversation about resilience. But first, if you wish to create a better life and have a better career, then please visit michaelobrienshift.com and download your free workbook on how to create a better life. In it, you'll discover ways to find more energy for the things and the people who matter most to you so you can create a better tomorrow. Hey there, it's Michael, and welcome back or welcome to the Kintsugi Podcast. It's time for another conversation about resilience. Today, we're gonna talk about allyship. But before we get there, I wanna bring you back to the holidays 2020. We call it Hanumas in our household. It's a combination of Hanukkah and Christmas. And last year, my wife gave me a first edition copy of The Prince's Bride. And if you know me, if we've been together for a while, you know that gift was awesome sauce. I loved it, so perfect. And you probably caught on if you've listened to the Kintsugi podcast or received my blog that my favorite line from the movie is have fun storm the castle. That's how I end every episode. That's how I end every blog. Actually, that's how I end a lot of things. I just love it. That two minute scene before Miracle Max gives his words of encouragement to the boys before they storm the castle and save Princess Buttercup. Well, it's an alchemy of self-doubt and togetherness and resilience and of course, True, impeccable love. The one thing you can't deny. So it has all that in it. It's so great. Well, another one of my lines in the movie has some gems that you can quote. Very quotable movie. Another one of my favorites, though, it could be my second favorite, comes from Inigo Montoya. You probably are thinking, oh, I know the line that you're talking about, Michael, but it's not that line. It's not, hey, you killed my father, prepare to die. It's not that line. Although that line is a gem in its own right. What I'm talking about, at the very end of the movie, after they've saved Princess Buttercup, they get down on the horses, they jump onto the horses, and he says, I've been in the revenge business for so long. Now that it's over, I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. I love that line. Oh, that's a gem. It happens to be Mandy Patakins, the guy that played Inigo. It's his favorite line. There's a good clip that I can attach to the show notes on why he loves that line so much, but I'll give you a little bit of the gist as to why he does. He said in the clip, revenge, the whole business of revenge, the whole pursuit of revenge is completely worthless and pointless. The purpose of our existence is to embrace our fellow human being. Oh, so true. So true. We have to come together. And we're, we're in a moment where we need to come together. But I also love the line because it speaks to how we can change when our aperture widens, even if we've been doing something for a very long time. We can always change. We can always change. There's an old saying you probably have heard, you can't teach an old dog a new trick. And although many people believe it, it's not true. We always have the ability to change. Now, sometimes we see the value in change. We change from the inside out. We see the opportunity. We see the innovation. We do it out of love. We do it out of those great emotions. Sometimes, though, we change because of fear. 
Fear can be a very powerful motivator to change. We don't want the consequences of not changing. We don't want to be left behind. All that jazz. And then sometimes we change with a little bit of both. A blend, if you will. Well, a few days ago, actually a few weeks ago, I was speaking with one of my favorite clients. I was at one of their meetings at a big leadership summit via Zoom, of course. And we were talking about the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and specifically around allyship. And one of the questions I asked them as they went into a Zoom breakout was this, how have you changed as a leader? What are you doing today that you didn't do in an earlier part of your leadership journey? In essence, you know, yeah, how have you changed as a leader? Because we all have changed. We don't stay the same. None of us ever do. We either grow or we sometimes decline, but we never stay the same. And this question is a good question to ask. How have you changed? Especially when we look in the mirror, perhaps tomorrow morning. And the answers they gave were awesome sauce. Now, not as awesome sauce as the gift my wife gave me, because that that was so that was so great. I still I still love it. By the way, that line, have fun storm the castle, not in the book. That's okay. A lot of times what's in the book doesn't make it into the movie and vice versa. But the answers they gave spoke about they're more vulnerable today. They're better listeners. They're more open to other people's perspectives. They use their voice more. They're more authentic. They're more empathetic. They have more emotional intelligence and something we've talked about with them, conversationally intelligent. They're more mindful. The answers were great. It definitely showed that they changed as leaders. And here's the thing. They've changed, but since the beginning of time, there have always been people who can't see the opportunity and the change. What they do is they just argue with reality. They argue that things shouldn't change. They should be the way they've always been. Now, for some of those people, maybe most of those people, this is just their reaction to fear when fear pays them a visit. And we could go back almost to the beginning of time. I imagine back when the wheel was invented, there were people who were like, we don't need that wheel. There's no problem. We can just stay as is. They couldn't find a way to adapt or adopt the new technology. Or perhaps there's a farmer out there somewhere in Europe or South America or Asia or the US, anywhere, anywhere where you happen to be listening. They said, I don't need a dang tractor. I got my horse and my plow. I'm fine. So he resisted that innovation. And to make this a little bit more current, we can go back to when the computer hit our work environment. This is going to be very meaningful, I think, or resonate well with all the boomers out there or Gen Xers. Remember that time where you had to use a computer for the very first time at work? You could feel that things were shifting. The ground was moving. You knew it was a game changer. You knew you had to learn how to use it or you could be left behind. Now, some of you probably thought, this is going to be so cool. It's going to bring more effectiveness and efficiency to my job. At that time, we didn't know about what email would turn into. So we might want to turn back time. So you got on board because maybe you you saw the benefit of the change. 
But some of you probably got on board because you didn't want to be left behind. And the thing is, we know people who never caught on, never got on board. They just wanted it to be how it has always been. And we also know folks that just sort of follow the trend, but there's certainly a whole bunch of folks that became early adopters. They saw the opportunity maybe a little bit sooner than the rest of us. And now they shape the conversation around tech. And here's the thing, when the flywheel of change starts moving, it's an opportunity to take action, to even shift our identity, even if we've been doing it for so long one way. We can open ourselves up to a new way. And today, I think the flywheel of inclusion, diversity, equity, and inclusion, because those three are separate work paths, if you will. They're not all clumped together as one big monolithic, monolithic theme. So the flywheel of DE&I, it's moving. It's gaining momentum. This moment feels different than at any other time in my life. Yet, there's still folks who are arguing with reality. They don't see it as an opportunity. They want things to be the way they've always been. They're looking at the world through a finite lens. There's only so much to go around. If we build a bigger tent, they're going to lose. That's one way they happen to look at this new change, the momentum that's happening in the world. But there are folks who are getting on board. They see that the world's changing for the better, that we can build a bigger tent. We can look at life through an infinite lens, abundance, if you will. And although, you know, I don't like to make predictions, especially about the future, which is a Danish proverb. I think it's a Danish proverb, but I just like it because, one, I'm horrible at predictions. But this one I feel pretty confident in. Like the wheel, like the tractor, like tech, those who don't step up to this moment in time today will be left behind when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion. Full stop. They will be left behind. We need to develop skills to be more inclusive as a leader. Full stop. Those that don't won't make it. They won't be the next generation leader. They won't be probably a leader five years from now. I think we're going to get five years from now, 10 years from now, we'll look back at 2021 and wonder what took us so long to figure this out that having diversity, equity, inclusion at work helps us work better. And you've heard me say this countless times, when we change how we work together, we will change how we live together because we spend so much time at work. So here's a few ways, really easy layup ways to start becoming better at diversity, equity, inclusion, to become more of an ally. Easy steps if you're just not there yet. And if you're not there yet, that's okay. We're going to start from wherever you are and we're going to move forward. So I have an acronym called CARE. The C stands for curiosity to help you build more awareness. That's living a inside out type of life to go out and consume content that is produced by people who don't look like you, who don't believe in what you believe, that don't have your lived experience. They have a different one. So that curiosity, and when we're in curiosity 
it's almost impossible to be judgmental. So curiosity as a way to build awareness, that's the C. The A stands for accepting, accepting our privilege where we have it. We've all had a tough life. That's what life is all about. That's why we talk about resilience, because we're going to get knocked down and we got to find a way to get back up again. So we've all had difficulty in our lives. To me, what privilege means is that as a white man, my gender and my skin color haven't led to my difficulty. And so accepting that is not an invitation to feel guilty or shameful about who my parents are, where I was born, and the fact that I won the birth lottery a bit. Even though growing up, I didn't feel privileged because we were lower middle class, but I do have privilege. I'm given the benefit of the doubt because of my skin color and because of my gender. So the invite is to accept your privilege and then use it to build a bigger tent, to lift people up, to give voice to those that have been marginalized in the past or maybe currently marginalized. The R is reflection. As you know, we've talked about this on the Kintsugi podcast. I like to start my morning with some curiosity, some questions, so I can show up the way I want to show up for myself and for others. It's all in the spirit of pause, breathe, and reflect, which I talk a lot about here on the Kintsugi podcast. And the E is for echo. Echo the, the voices you hear in your meeting rooms. Amplify their voices. Piggyback on what they have to say. Give, give their voice more volume. Echo. Because a lot of times they don't feel heard and they don't feel seen. And if you're in a position to echo someone as an ally, it goes a long way in building more trust and more connection and more togetherness. So that care model is simple and you can add the I care, if you will, because none of this change happens without first us looking in our, ourselves in the mirror and say, hey, how can I get a little bit better at being a better human being to other human beings? And this is where I, or why I feel so optimistic, because I see people changing all the time. We don't necessarily take stock in it. We don't catalog it as well as we should, but we're changing every day. It's probably good to ask ourselves, how do we wish to change? So up front, I asked, how have you changed as a leader over the years? But I think a better question today is, how do, how do you wish to change going forward? How do you want to be different five years from now? You know, when you look back on this moment, where have you grown? Where have you made a difference? And if you have ways that you wish to change, let me know. Pop me an email. Go to the kintsugipodcast.com. You can put your comments there. We can connect on social and you can let me know any way you want to. I'm always curious about how people wish to change. There you have it. A little princess bride, a little change, a little allyship. Allyship is so key because as an ally, what we're saying is we're going to risk our privilege. This is a quote from Emmanuel Ocho. We're going to risk our privilege to give voice to those that have been previously marginalized on the name of social justice. And when we do that, when we can all do that, we can become more resilient. We have scars and blemishes and wrinkles in our history. Yes, we all do because life is challenging. But if we can use greater care, we can come back together more beautifully. And that's what the whole Kintsugi spirit's all about. 
So thanks as always for listening, subscribing and sharing with your Peloton. And next week we'll come back with another conversation about resilience. But until then, I will encourage you to pause, breathe and reflect on how you can become a better ally. And of course, as we mentioned up front, have fun storming the castle. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.